Shomrabyog. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the tiny room. Welcome back to on Shomrabyog. I am the Michael of Michael and Benjamin's podcast, Ireland's podcast, which is most devoted to providing you weekly content, no matter the quality. I am joined today, <laughs> as usual, by the man who put the con back in Comic Con. It's Ben. I'm actually quite happy with that as a title, so I'm going to take it. That's pretty good, Ben. You're wearing a nice Hawaiian shirt. It is the best Hawaiian shirt I've ever owned. Coincidentally, the first Hawaiian shirt I've ever owned. Bought for me by a noted friend of the podcast who's also here, Shane. Hi, Shane. You don't introduce people. I have a whole thing for... Oh, you son of a... We're also joined today by (laughs) writer, producer, director, cameraman and all-around Ben Wrangler. It's Shane. Thank you for having me back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back in the tiny room, mostly because I drove Mick and Ben here. <laughs> they were too polite to ask me to leave. That's mostly true. That's, uh, yeah. Look, on that note, look, everybody, it's uh, it's Dublin Comic Con weekend. We have been working away at Dublin Comic Con. Uh, Comic Con. That's why I'm somewhat losing my voice. Ben is somewhat losing his enthusiasm for life in general, and Shane is losing his reason. So, Ben, do you want to insert the theme music there at any stage? No. Theme music for the podcast We don't actually have any theme music (laughs) (laughs) That was quite funny That was, uh, yeah, you got me there You got me, first time you got me in a while Ben, we're just back from the Comic Con yeah, we are, yeah. From day one of Dublin Comic Con. From day one of Dublin Comic Con, and we were we were Comic Conning the day away. Ben, we are not ashamed to admit this, but it is Ireland's best Comic Con. It is undoubtedly without equal in the Irish Comic Con scene. Now, Ben, you've never been to the other Comic Con. Oh, but I trust you too. <laughs> Shane, you've been to both. Yeah, I have. It was great. Yeah. It was um, great. If anything, uh, might this year be a victim of its own success? Do go on. Uh the couple of years that we've gone in the past, we the queues were shorter, mm-hmm. um, but because it's gone from strength to strength, naturally the queues got a little bit longer. Queues got a little bit longer. A little bit longer. Now, I'm not offering that as a criticism. The staff moved quickly to try and correct it, made sure people weren't stuck outside. But uh, yeah, it was A lot packed. of people. A lot of people. You know, there's nothing they can do about it, but you went in there and after a couple of hours, a lot of a bit people. of a confunk. A lot of people. Yeah, there was a severe confunk, but also finding space to actually interview people comfortably became quite a quite a challenge. Quite you, a challenge. That man kept shifting us away from the elevators. For no reason. We weren't blocking the elevator. Well, I'm quite large. It is but always <laughs> fun to see the... Um, North Dublin security staff not entirely sure how to deal with the furries. <laughs> yeah. so, sorry, folks. Uh, you're doing all right there, Grant. <laughs> yeah. We had a go on. We had a, a fantastic moment of of real security guard ego as we were walking into the uh, the establishment. Right as it was passed by, we got a that's a Rog, which is turns out is the way that that particular security guard said Roger. <laughs> Yeah, that's, a that's how you say it that's that is, how that I would say not, it no, no. <laughs> that's how I would say it Ben no. Benjamin yeah. Ben one of the highlights of the Dublin Comic Con for us was the release of a new comic by friend of the of the podcast Barry Keegan yeah he's got a new one out it's called The Dark Pool it's got the, called The Dark Pool Bell, and we got two copies of it and he signed them both for us didn't he yes but I'm afraid one of them was, was not like the other Michael. Ben we have them here in front of us don't we let's we do, do a little conceit let's have a look at your one Ben and we'll open it here on the first page and it says here <clears throat> to Ben from Barry Barry yeah that's it that's all it says that's there. all it says what does it say on my one though Ben I'll just, we'll just have well, you let's, read let's it out the page. let's just you read it out there and you, you read that for us Mick you inspire me, <laughs> Barry. 
<laughs> Which is brilliant, really, because it was you who discovered Barry's work and introduced it to me. But I think it's. But in the end, I was left in the cold. Mm. It's all right, Barry. I forgive you. It's a fairly decent comic. I've enjoyed it very much. I've already read it, but uh, very good. Look, Ben, yeah, we'll talk about Barry. I'd just like to say hi. As <laughs> oh, yeah. you turned to me and said, "You're the other one who appears on it every now and again." <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Barry. Barry's back. Um, but you should, ladies and gentlemen, pop out, pick up a copy. It's only a fiver. Um, he's doing it in four installments this time round, um, and it's uh, again a Dublin-centered mythological exploration of of modern Ireland. Well, bloody the last one wasn't bloody Dublin-centered, was it? Ben, it was more about the Port Leash. Yeah, that too. <laughs> you retired. Yeah, I mean, Mick loves the Port Leash. Uh, Maggard, port loves the Port Leash. Are you big Port Leash man. Mad for Port Leash. Look, I hate it. <laughs> one weekend you have to drive down there like three or four times because of young people. Oh, young people are the worst. They, insta- they Instagram IM'd him instead of phoning him. Mm. So Mick drove all the way to Port Leash, realised these idiots weren't down there for some competition, and I had to drive back to get them. I don't think Look, they're fans of the, con- of the pod. So. They are. <laughs> are they? I think they listen, yeah. <laughs> you um, idiots. I went, I was doing, we had an MMA tournament, so it was an MMA tournament mm-hmm. on. I said, does anybody need a lift as I'm an adult man with access to a vehicle? Good no job. one answered me. And I went down expecting them all to be there. None of them were there, Ben. So I gave them a ring and said, where are you? And they said, I was waiting for you to pick me up. I sent you a DM. Oh, they DM'd no, you. They DM'd me. They slid into your DMs. Nobody slides into someone's DMs to give them vital day-to-day operating instructions. No, sexually explicit pictures. Yes, that's, that's what you slide in for. <laughs> Not, I need a lift and I need to be there by 6.30. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, accept Shane's friend request on Instagram <laughs> at your own risk. <laughs> that's not great. Anyway, look, let's stop talking about Comic-Con now. Benjamin. Yeah. One of the things that we saw this week was the trailer for Zombieland 2 slash Double Tap. Yeah. Bloody Tallahassee. He's back. Um, yeah, look, it's the the Zombieland universe. It's back. It's a great. It was a great first movie. Really enjoyed Zombieland yeah. one. Um, it's it's probably the longest I've ever seen a movie go without a sequel, apart from all the classic kind of Star Warsy stuff. Blade Runner. That's true, actually. Yeah, never mind. Got uh, you there. I've got uh, you there. Uh, uh, okay. Well, there goes the wind from my sails. Yeah, that was like fifty years, wasn't it? I think it was about that. Yeah, about it was nineteen eighty two to nine to twenty forty nine. What was that? Yeah, fifty years. Oh, you mean in that? You see what I've done? I see what you've done there. You've used used the literal timeline of the yeah. of the franchise. I yeah, see. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very good, very good, Mick. Um, but yeah, it, it's taken a while, but it's back uh, with its original cast intact. And Abigail Breslin is a fully grown woman now. Very strange, isn't it? It is very strange. Benjamin, one of the the absolute highlight of the first film, Zombieland, was the surprise cameo from William Murray. Uh, noted, noted thespian William Murray. Yes. Um, do you think they're going to do a surprise cameo in this or will they feel that if we do a surprise cameo that's too obvious I'm holding out for Barack Obama in the White House because they seem to break into the White House at the beginning of the thing so I'm I'm holding out for Barack his office it, it definitely is. But his former office. No. I mean, the, the station of that office has been greatly reduced <laughs> in recent times. It has. It's all about ratings now. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. Who would you like to see? Who would you like to see as a surprise cameo? Who is of the calibre of Bill Murray showing up unexpectedly? See, Scott Glenn. Scott Glenn. <laughs> Shirtless with a Bowie knife. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm yeah. on board for that. Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro would be pretty big, wouldn't he? Robbie D. Although Robert De Niro is mostly a com- comic actor now. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That that's wouldn't be true. it. Wouldn't be a massive surprise. Hmm. Jack Nicholson. Hmm. 
Maybe. Not massive surprise, but it'd be really nice to see like a hyped up version of The Rock or something gone full zombie hunter. Yeah, yeah. That kind of character, like a Vin Diesel, a Rock, a Statham. That'd be pretty good, actually. Like, well, they do have Luke Wilson in it as a counterpart Tallahassee. Did is you that Luke Wilson? Luke Wilson. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. 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 Um, yeah, but uh, Luke Wilson is in it as wow. counterpart Tallahassee. Is he the one who says wow? No, his brother Owen says oh, it's Owen Wilson. Wow. Wow. Luke is the nice Wilson. Yeah. What's wrong with Owen Wilson? Wow. It's very hard to take a man who's had a serious suicide attempt as a com- as a comic. You know, once you do that, it kind of gets a bit grim. It's brandy, isn't it? You're not giving anyone a second chance. Like, we all get a bit sad sometimes. (laughs) Your job is to not be sad. Oh, fuck. (laughs) So let's move on from there. Speaking of uh, speaking of things that are bloody grim, uh, you both of you are famously huge fans of the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe. Oh, massive! Yeah, my uh, have a tattoo of it on my lower back. Ben, you don't, but you are actually a fan of it. Ben, my, <laughs> my main interaction with the Warhammer, whatever it is, universe, is that time I moved your action figures and you gave out to me. I was very upset. You were. They weren't action figures. They were uh, they were war game pieces. But yes, they you were did toys, move them. dolls. I left Shane and our other friend Dave, who is quite famous, in charge in charge of our house for the weekend while I went on holiday. Okay. And came back and he'd put all of my Warhammer men in numerous positions around the house, like <laughs> on top of the fridge That's or in the in the cooker hood, and it was hilarious. Make through a strop. I did throw a strop because I had spent hundreds of hours painting them, and then they were strewn about the house willy nilly. They were carefully placed in hilarious spots. (laughs) They were not. It was not hilarious. It was very upsetting. That sounds very funny. I wish I'd been there. No, you would have been quite upset because... Oh, making a strop sucks the joy right out of me. I have a bit of a temper. (laughs) Oh, dear. I I think that's probably the only time you've ever seen me lose my temper. Yeah. Right, anyway, look. uh, Eisenhorn is a thing that happened. Have you ever heard of Eisenhorn? No. You promised to dress up as a character, did you? Yes. Yes. Eisenhorn, uh, I made a promise with Meg from Without a Stitch that we would do a, a team-up cosplay. Is that the thing that Legolas looks for in the uh, Lord of the Rings thing? No. They're taking the hobbits to Eisenhorn, is that what it is? No, that's Isengard. Oh, is it Isengard, is it? Mm. Oh, shame we didn't know the difference there, isn't it? Yeah, you're yeah. the worst. Gregor Eisenhorn <laughs> is an Imperial Inquisitor. Classic. Right, and the Empire in Warhammer 40,000 is this horrible fascistic superstate. And they're the la- they're kind of barely holding humanity together. But is that a good thing? Well, is it? Well, probably not. So anyway, Inquisitors have the power. Think, think like several levels above a judge from Judge Dredd. Ooh. They have the power Ooh. of judge, jury and executioner, but on worlds. Ooh. Oh. They are outside of the, the emperor himself, who's actually dead. They are the highest authority in the Empire. So how does the Emperor work then? But well, is it just a, a held office? No, it's he's a skeleton essentially. He's a skeleton in a life support system, but he's almost certainly dead. But his the Empire is ruled in his stead by a labyrinthian council of opposing Inquisitorial uh, gangs. That's pretty interesting. Inqui- it is a very interesting What's the universe. Career path to becoming an Inquisitor. It, there are lots of career paths. Some of them are you might be taken like on. PLC or no, another. Well, that's one way. You become an acolyte, and then you become an interrogator, and then you become an inquisitor. It's a kind of apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, another way is for an inquisitor 
to kind of pick you up on his adventures as someone who's useful. So often they take people from law enforcement or people from gangs or people who have some sort of combat training or infiltration skills. And there are as many methods of inquisiting as there are inquisitors. So some of them are real by the book, the law's the law, you better do what I say, here I come, and they'll bring a company of soldiers and 50 brace marines with them. The ultramarines wouldn't work with inquisitors. They'd be a bit beneath them. Oh, ultramarines are the lower ones, so space marines are the bigger ones. No, no, ultramarines are just very noble. It takes takes a lot of oomph to get... Space marines don't matter for this story. Forget it. We're not talking about space marines. Space marine, you've lost your demographic there. (laughs) I said space marines don't matter. Anyway. Space marine lives matter. Space... (laughs) Oh, Oh, God, here we go. (laughs) Yes, so... Some space marines, some inquisitors, on the other hand, are essentially rogues, and they they use the powers of, let's say, chaos, or they'll use alien weapons to fight aliens. And there are other inquisitors who think that's very radical and dangerous. Mm. And Gregor Eisenhorn is, is one such. no, he's an inquisitor. It's a series of three books. Okay, and they are the best Warhammer books ever written so far. And if you wanted to get into those, how much would you need to know about the Warhammer universe? One of the reasons that they're the best Warhammer books ever written is that not very much. Because unlike a lot of Warhammer fiction, which is entirely dependent on a love for the setting. Mm. Because if you don't love the setting, how invested are you going to be in a war book about space marines fighting more evil space marines? Not very. Whereas Gregor Eisenhorn is a character. He's a character it with motivation. No, not oh. like he's a bit of a lad. <laughs> not he's like a, not the classic. You have what is it? What, the classic. You are a character. You don't have any. <laughs> um, not in that type of character. Is that Pulp yeah. Fiction? Yeah, that's Pulp Fiction. Harvey Keitel's. He it? says it to his yeah. nephew. No, the junkyard owning lady. Oh uh, yeah. Are we talking about? Yes, Gregor Eisenhorn is a character. He he has some some of the trappings of Warhammer excess. Like in the early goings in the first book, he's captured and tortured, and his facial nerves are paralyzed, so he literally can't smile. So you know it's oh, grim, it's grim and gritty, and but it's the story of his descent from a kind of paragon of imperial law, the rules are the rules, into a radical. Threat to, exactly, and it's it's a pretty good series of books, and he has a pretty interesting ragtag bunch of followers who come and go during his his career, mm-hmm. and they in a lot of ways represent. For example, he teals him up with a guy called Fissig. It's been a while since I've read it, and Fissig is an Arbites. He's essentially a policeman but he's a policeman on a planetary scale and he teams up with him in his early days and as he gets more and more radical his relationship with him deteriorates while his relationship with some of the more radical acolytes he picks up changes and it's it's very interesting it's it's actually a pretty good series of books not dependent on having to like Warhammer now if you hate Warhammer this probably won't turn you around on it. Probably not. But it's still good, though. And the big news is it's getting a bloody TV series. 
What? What, 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 what? what? Listeners, yeah. you thought Mick was just going to go on a bit for... <laughs> but there was a point! <laughs> there was a, did you see there's a point there? Yeah. Uh, so it's getting a bloody TV series. It's going to be the first kind of major Warhammer universe TV series. And it's exactly the right thing to, to adapt. Who's making it? I don't know who's making it. I that could have been a thing to research. I know, but we've been at Comic Con all day. We have, and it didn't come up. <laughs> any, in anybody, anybody tipped for a lead? No, I don't think so. Nobody's tipped for a lead. But the story of Great of Eisenhorn, the Eisenhorn trilogy of books, is a man, a man's lifetime, his career. So he starts young and virile, and he finishes as this wizened old fool. Who would you? Who would you like to? Uh, who would you like? Color ban. Huh? Carl Urban. I just want Carl Urban and everything. Fair enough. In a Hawaiian shirt. Fair enough. And people are like, what is this shirt you're wearing? It doesn't seem very appropriate to the universe. And you'll go, ah, I don't know what it is, mate. I thought it was because I'm a flipping Hawaiian shirt. I don't fucking care what you fucking think about my shirt, mate. I fucking wear this shirt if I want, mate. Ladies and gentlemen, Helen Mirren has wandered away in again. <laughs> like a stray cat. Helen, wait. I fucking wear whatever fucking shirt I want, mate. I'm going to come here and investigate all your crimes, innit? That's pretty good. So I'm going to segue for him because he's having a sip of water there. But basically, that got us thinking about the brand new series starring Kyle Urban in a Hawaiian show going, fuck, 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 <laughs> fuck, fuck. Um, which is The Boys on Amazon Prime. Nick, go on. I, I don't know if I was finished talking about Eisenhorn. All right, go on back to Eisenhorn. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right, look, you've done, your, you've done your transition. Yes, Ben, <laughs> we have a bit of a, we have an unusual situation here. Between the three of us, yes. in many ways, like a triangle is the strongest shape in nature. What? Each, yeah, that's each. why honeycombs are triangle shaped. Yeah, he has you there. No, you're thinking of Toblerones, I think. Yeah, tri- th- yeah but they have honey as an ingredient. Yeah, so <laughs> like the triangle, the strongest shape in nature, uh, we are each going to support each other's failings. So, because Ben, you've read the vast majority of the comic books. All of them. You've read all of the comics. Yeah. Shane... You've read none of the comics. I have not. But you've seen all of the TV series. I have. Ben, you've seen none of the TV series. Yes. And I've seen about half of the TV series and read about half of the comics. We so are God. so ready for a We are nature's grid. best shape. <laughs> we're, we're like the strongest shape in nature, the triangle. That's why you see so many triangle-shaped things naturally occurring yeah. in, the, in the world. In, like, orchestras? Or Yeah. <laughs> Love, yeah, famously, <laughs> famously love triangles. Famously, uh, jujitsu, yeah, oh the triangle choke. Of course, mm-hmm. of course, the triangle choke. So relevant. So anyway, look, Shane, anyway. we've seen the show. We'll get yeah. back to Ben in a minute. Go on, off you go. We've seen the show, Ben, Shane. Did, very briefly, speaking as a man who hasn't read the comics. Give us an, a spoiler light version of what is it. Okay. So it is a world in which superheroes exist. Yes. And from the outside, if you're just a regular punter in the universe, you're like, superheroes, that's great. Every now and again you see them, but they might show up at your Comic-Con or your like Oxygen Music Festival yeah. or any of that. Your electric picnic. Your electric picnic. They'll mm. sign autographs. They'll pose for selfies. The... They are sort of corporate sponsored, corporate owned. Yeah. Um. So there's like a cinematic universe featuring them and their adventures. Uh, That's true. Re- I've seen. It. Reasonably speaking, <laughs> if you were involved in a large scale crime, you could expect them to show up and stop it. Yeah. And then after that, they'll hang around. But for selfies. Yeah, for selfies, mm. for publicity. Mm-hmm. Um. 
But and here's the like you know the thing that will be made clear in the trailer. They're dicks. They're all dicks. Absolutely dicks. Every single one of them. Um. So that's the setup. That's the premise. Like celebrities. Yes. Oh. Yeah, it's like that time I heard Catherine Thomas give out about some photographer. Who's Catherine Thomas? She did a travel show on RTE. <laughs> I doubt she's... So she's not a real celebrity. <laughs> but okay. it'd be great if this is what got the podcast sucked into some sort of, you know... RTE scandal. Yeah. yeah. That'd be good. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, they're dicks. The, we're, this world has Carl Urban, who yep. shows up as a bit of a mysterious figure. Mm-hmm. He has, at some point in his past, been wronged by a celebrity. Yeah. And he meets, essentially, the centre of this story, Huey whose girlfriend in the first 20 minutes of the first episode gets exploded. Yes. You can very, see that in the trailer. Oh, very man. viscerally. Yeah. It's just, it's brilliantly horrible. <laughs> One of the most visceral human body explosions I've ever seen on a television Yeah. Mm. Um, it is aggressive. So we, Shane and I were speaking to uh, Geek and Son Pod over the thing and the younger side of the Geek and Son pod the son of Geek and Son said oh we'll have to watch that and I turned around and said no oh no no you are not allowed to watch that so I apologise for being so abrupt with the son of Geek and Son Geek and but Son somebody has to lay down the law <laughs> but really not a great show and his father was very I think very glad to see that I was not encouraging his son to watch that horrible Geek and horrible Son podcast is a family podcast it's a family ben. podcast the boys has no place in that no. so Carl Urban shows up ostensibly to help Huey mm-hmm. you know he presents himself as a law enforcement agent and sets about uh, going after these people where other law enforcement agencies and you know the mainstream media have no interest in prosecuting or highlighting this kind of thing mm-hmm. and they go on a bit of an adventure it becomes apparent fairly shortly that Carl Urban is a bit of a rogue element mm-hmm. and he's not a law enforcement agent ah, and the adventure spirals from there um, and Shane it's very, very, very good. It is. Now, it's very violent. It's very violent. My good lady friend watched most of it from between her fingers. Anytime there was bloodshed or somebody bashing a head off like a urinal in a toilet. Yeah. Or somebody getting exploded. Or a smack of a pry bar. Yeah. Anything like that. Anyone getting exploded by like C4 placed internally. Yes. Like, she just, she wasn't into it. Not her And she turned to me and she said, Shane... You dragged your heels on watching Chernobyl because it was so bleak. And I was like, but that's because Chernobyl wasn't really that funny. (laughs) (laughs) It had its moments. Yeah, the boys, (laughs) the boys is bleak and it's aggressive and the violence is hilarious. uh, If you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it it is comic book violence. It is. It is. It's not awful. It's not the type of thing that's going to make someone who's kind of immune to comic book violence go... Oh, that's a bit much. Yeah. It's almost entirely quite comical. It is. In its extremeness. But, I mean, it's a great series. Yeah. It's start, start, the traditional phrase is start to finish, it's brilliant. But start to about midway to where I've seen, it's brilliant. It is, it's brilliant. Strong performances by everyone. Um, What's his name, Chase, that plays Homelander? My, I mean, my God, he steals every scene he's in. He's he just a colossal prick. <laughs> <laughs> he's brilliant to watch. The, one of the things about it, sorry, Ben, I'm going to cut across right, you there. One of the things about it is there are a lot of uses of the C-bomb. 
which yeah. is kind of the only word we've banned on the podcast. Except that you use it every time you... I have never said it, even when I'm doing no. my uh, Carlo Urban impression. My, my Helen Mirren impression. I have he's never said it. He I've never said, said it. He has said <laughs> He's like really danced yeah. right up to that line. Last, you won't, week, you won't tip last week, I called you a cook. Because <laughs> I started the word and I'm not saying that word on the podcast. Okay, that's fair enough. Now that's everyone clearly enough. knows what word we mean. Yeah. And so it, let's it, say no more about it. It drops like raindrops. Oh, non-stop. And on Carl Urban delivers it just brilliantly. With, with relish. With yeah. relish. Like a bloody spicy sauce. In an accent which, if you listen to last week's Helen Mirren impersonation by Mick, indistinguishable from that. Or this week's where I just did my Carl Urban impression. Yeah, indistinguishable. Now, pure London. Ben. Yes. Yeah. It's pure London, isn't it? Isn't I? I'm fucking stuck in this clink, you cuck. Um, <laughs> see, I got you again. Um, what are we talking about? Ben, you famously, among our couple of hundred listeners, hated the comic book. No, I didn't hate the comic book originally. We should be very clear on that, Michael. You used to be um, a lot edgier, though. Oh, I was a real edgelord once upon a time, Michael. Uh, interestingly, frosty tips on his hair. Oh, so many frosty tips. Um... Interestingly, Hawaiian shirt and duster jacket. No, that's that's from now on. I'm going back to my edgy roots. Um, it should be noted that Ben had to dress up as Carl Urban from The Boys Today for Comic Con. <laughs> take a look. Take a look at the Instagram. It's up there on a story at the minute. We should be in the 24 hour window by yeah. the time this drops. No, we won't. Uh, well, we put it up on the pod this evening. Then okay. we'll we'll stick it up on the gram. But. Um, it's interesting because you two love the show very much. It is now Amazon's most popular show. Ever. Yes. It has been their that makes most. It sound like we're the ones who've made it Amazon's well, most popular we are. show. Well, you are because through your relentless um, recommendations, it's it's risen to the top. Hashtag influencers. Hashtag influencers, baby. Um, yeah. So originally, I, I bought the comic when I was much younger because I thought it was great. I thought it was a great send up of the superhero universe. I was about. I probably would have been around fifteen, sixteen when mm-hmm. I first read it. And volume one was very good, very interesting storyline, something new that I hadn't seen before. This idea that superheroes were real dickbags. I hadn't read Watchmen at that point, so I wasn't really used to this kind of postmodern idea of deconstructing what a hero really is and can a hero be flawed, etc., etc. And um, I guess Garth Ennis just decided, yes, they absolutely can. In fact, if you had that much power, you probably would be a tremendous dickbag. I'd be worse. I yeah, would. Honest, yeah. yeah, they could have just called it Gareth Ennis's "I Hate Superheroes." Yeah, and it, it really is that. Um, Gareth Ennis and Derek Robertson are the two that started the series in two thousand and six. Mm-hmm. Two thousand and six, which I would have been, yeah, I would have been just fifteen. So um, edgy. Yeah, so, so edgy. much edge. I used to have spiky hair. What year um, were you born in? I was born in nineteen ninety one. Oh yeah, you're right. You're yeah, yeah. There. I, I, I did my junior year <laughs> at UEC, so I remember. I remember I have key milestones for certain dates um, and yeah so I would have been around 15 and I read this and I thought it was great and then slowly as the series progressed I guess it was one of these things we, we had this conversation a little bit earlier Shane um, about uh, Butcher's character where he he's so edgy at the beginning and then they kind of ease off as it goes along and it loses some of the oomph yeah I don't for- know if they ease off or like he's so edgy at the beginning and it's such a shock to see it mm. especially as Mick said the C word that we're all afraid to say just drop 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 yeah Um. once you're four or five episodes into that he might still be just as edgy but you've kind of conditioned you yourself to it. to it yeah so I think Garth Dennis was basically terrified of this ever happening Um. and just 
push that envelope more and more and more. And what was originally collateral damage, so heroes used to um, heroes used to collide into pedestrians on occasion. They'd run through your girlfriend. They'd run through your girlfriend. You, they might not save you in time. They might not be bothered to save you, which is admittedly very narcissistic. But then it turned into something new, where it became uh, one of the one of the scenes that made me kind of give up on the comic is is a scene where Star Light Light. Star-Lord. Star-Lord. <laughs> uh, Starlight, I think, is her name. Isn't Star-Fire. It? Star, something like that. Anyway, the female character that joins the Seven, which is the big superhero league, mocking um, Justice League and etc., uh, is brought into a meeting with all the male members of the Seven, and they then uh, rape her repeatedly um, to see how much she can take. And it's just a really harrowing comic book scene to read, and it's not very pleasant. And that kind of continued then. They moved into the field of... Uh, molesting children and stuff like that and just kept pushing that envelope again and again and again and again and again um, and the only decent thing about the entire arc and I read it out of a sheer sense of the need for completion um, was Butcher Butcher was probably the <laughs> <laughs> I am very ben tired has admitted something there oh uh, yeah that's I very am, bad I am so in Ben's very tired review of this he described it as mean spirited yeah and I think the TV show sidesteps that this is my most this is what I would like to talk about about this show is that I think the the constraints placed upon this show by network television and I'm going to preface this by saying if you've not read the comic you would probably be hard pressed to imagine that the the resulting show has been restrained <laughs> because it's so violent and vulgar yeah but it's nothing compared to the meanness of the comic. Yeah. And the fact that it has had to be constrained that much has resulted in a much better... Much more enjoyable piece of pop culture. Yes, Like, I exactly. think it, it makes the point it sets out to make. Mm. You it know, does. It's about corporations, it's about privacy, it's about all of that stuff. And it doesn't lose anything from what you've said about the comic. I haven't read it. Um, I've read some of it Yeah I didn't like it See mm. <laughs> Proved a point there listeners <laughs> um, It's just It's a Good TV show I'm looking forward to watching it I will be watching it this evening As I kind of Slowly decompress From a day of Comic Conning The The kind of the, the One of the major changes In this adaptation Or adaption As I used to say Is the Starfire thing Star with Starlight Starlight, Starlight that's The her. names are great as well to be fair, they're just a little bit Homelander goofy. Is great. They're a little like, bit. Like, they've got their Aquaman character. But the they deep. call him the Deep, and it's just stupid. They've got their Invisible Man character. They call him Translucent. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Translucent doesn't even fucking mean invisible, you idiot. It means semi-transparent. <laughs> Brilliant. All of the names are slightly stupid. Yeah, it's very good. Um, what was I saying? The Starlight thing is a really key change. In the comic, mm. and Ben, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong here, she is recruited to the Seven mm-hmm. because they want to sexually humiliate her. Yes, she is seen as too hopeful by the other heroes. She's too naive and she deserves to have that taken away for some reason. And they they continually perform degrading acts on her and film them and her costume gets more and more revealing mm-hmm. as the... Lots of stuff like that happens. Whereas in the in the TV show, it's much more of a Me Too thing. 
Mm. Mm. She gets basically the Hollywood treatment. She does. She, it's like her character, the uniform changes and it becomes more sexualized and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it's for marketing reasons. Yeah. It's not because of an inherent meanness mm-hmm. of the characters. The difference is rather than being out and out evil, they're dicks. They're all powerful dicks. Mm. There's nobody who has given them a rap on the knuckles. There's nobody to keep them in line. Mm. Society's rules don't apply to them. So why would they behave by them? Mm. In, in the comic, her costume is changed for marketing reasons as well. And it's the first point where she stands up to them. But then there's an interesting scene in that where the Homelander tries to make sure she wears the costume. He steps in and in the comic, he never directly expresses his aggression. What he does is he does it with this big grin as if he's doing everyone a favor. And it's very imposing as a, a comic book character. But then Maeve steps in and Maeve is the, the female, the Wonder Woman equivalent in, in this universe. And she says, leave her alone. And he won't pick on Maeve because Maeve might be able to match him. But he doesn't know because he's never really tested himself against the other three. So it's an interesting moment. It's the only time she raises a finger and it's to do with that marketing meeting. But there is that inherent meanness again in the Homelander where he just wants to degrade her because she's so hopeful and optimistic and kind of, I suppose, idealistic. And he just wants to strip that away. And it's really odd. It's a Look, it's very interesting. It's a good show. I strongly recommend that people watch it because it's a very good show, which is very interesting and enjoyable. Yeah. Mm. In years to come, you're going to look back on Ben's costume from today and go, man, he fucking nailed that. He did. He really nailed it. <laughs> I mean, the one thing you can say about Ben is he's no Carl Urban. No. But today... He could have been. He could have been. Today, Michael, I'm going to be Carl Urban. Okay, yeah. And he he was. Well done, Ben. Thanks, lads. It's <laughs> very nice of you. He um, got a bit sour towards the end of the day. <laughs> I, I was very grumpy. I thought that so far this year, The Boys is my favourite comic book adaptation. My, that smacks of a segue, Michael. It was a segue, Ben, because we're going to talk about other ag- ad- adaptations. <laughs> that's that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about adaptations. But because, like I said, I think that The Boys is the best comic book adaptation so far this year. A lot of comic book movies and TV shows are not adaptations in the strictest sense in that let's say for example the TV show Legion which I also enjoy Mm. but haven't managed to finish this season yet I don't consider that an adaptation no because they've taken the character and made a TV show about him they haven't unlike the boys basically adapted the storyline are you with me there yes so the boys because of the constraints of what it is is in my opinion the best comic book to scream adaptation of all time. I'm not saying it's the best comic book product of all time. I'm saying it's the biggest improvement between the original material and mm. and the end result. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the criteria yeah. we're, That's we're what assessing I'm talking today. About. Let's talk about, for example, the film Watchmen. Yes. That is an incredible, adapta- an incredibly faithful adaptation, adaptation yes. of the source material. To the point it's almost shot for shot. Almost. Almost shot for shot. But the the adaptation, the, the the taking it to the big screen doesn't add anything to it. No. It doesn't improve upon no. it in any way. No. So what doesn't I'm asking... make it any more relevant for the time that it's being viewed in now versus the time it was first published. Personally, I prefer the twist of the movie to the comic book. 
Yeah, yes. a little bit cleaner. I, it's a bit I, of an much, editing much choice better. more than yeah. anything else. I, I really enjoyed the, and, and it also takes Dr. Manhattan out of the picture very, very well. And mm-hmm. It's very good. I'm not, I don't, I'm not full of hope for whatever the after Watchmen series is the called. HBO series. Yeah, what's it called? Watch, Watchmen. Is it? Yeah, and it has a little tag on thing. I think I think the first one is Watch Men and this one is Watch Man or something. Watch like people. <laughs> watch watch non gender conforming. Mm. <laughs> Binary. Non binary. So, that's what I'm talking about. We're yeah. talking today about whether adaptations improve upon the source material. Yes. Does anybody have anything they would like to bring up first? No, Mick, I think we're all out of ideas. Great, I have a little notebook. <laughs> Shane, you son of a bitch, you've been watching the TV show Preacher. Uh, Does this fall into the category? Get back in here, you. <laughs> it does. We do a little snuggle. Do I think it's any better? First, where does it fall into the category? Yeah. Um, Actually, Preacher's what, 25, 30 years old? And the it's getting there. In the yeah. 90s, yeah. It's so, getting there. In the 90s. you're looking at it like... Even in the very start, the opening episode of Preacher where the spirit comes down and mm-hmm. it bounces from religious leader to religious leader and the ways that's communicated and the different religions that are mm-hmm. out there. Is this the TV show or the comic? TV show. TV show. Okay. Um, when that comes down and bounces around, like bounces from Tom Cruise, explodes him, the way it's broadcast. Is Tom Cruise in it? He died. No, it's a deep fake. <laughs> Deep fake. It's a deep fake. But deep Tom fake. Cruise is like it's just a thing that's running in the news in the background. It's a Scientology thing. Right, right, right. Because yeah. he's a Scientology. We met the Scientologists. Right. Uh, <laughs> stop. That's that. Stop Remember it. when we met them? Stop. We're gonna get. We're literally gonna. We're gonna get. They seem docked. nice. They are going to dox us. Stop it. Nice as well, stop it. Our legal department is painfully under budget. <laughs> it's me <laughs> pulling my hair out. Please so, don't. You've different stuff like the stuff that was floating around a preacher. They were at the con. No, just stop. The way the comic was written, it was you had like a Vietnam was like Vietnam was the big influence there. Because the Vietnam TV, was quite recent. Yeah, the preacher TV show doesn't that have time. that. It's the yeah. like the, the it plays to a different kind of American consciousness now, like that kind of setting. Hmm. Um, the levels of crime, the type of crime, hmm. uh, big business, all those kind of things are slightly different now. They're advanced. The kind of thing that you were looking at back when the comic first came out probably seems like quite tame to the actual reality. So it's had to be upped. Story has been slightly changed. The relationship with religion, how yeah. religion fits into society, how it's polarized people, separated communities, that kind of thing. Yeah, much all more now than it was 30 yeah. years ago. Because like you could be different fates and live in you know relative proximity, and it didn't really matter. Yeah, it didn't influence your voting pattern as much as it would now. It that wasn't kind of the thing. hot button issue it has yeah. become. Hot so potato. The adaptation that we're looking at now on TV is it takes into account a lot of that, and it does a very good job. You know, it satirizes a lot of that kind of thing, how all of that fits together: media, religion, voting, um, all of that kind of stuff. However, it's not as good a linear story as the comic, oh. as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Oh. The characters that I love about the comic, whose name I've forgotten. Jesse Custer. I love Jesse Jessie Custer. Jesse Custer, Tulip, Cassidy. Hairstar. Hairstar, Josie. Josie. I love Josie. Josie. Who's Josie? He's For the, the blonde henchman of Jesse Custer's demonic aunt. Or Angelique. Yeah. No, that's where, that's where he lives. His grandmother, yeah. His yeah. grandmother. Um, Great grandmother. Just, he is hard as nails. 
enforcer for this. Doesn't really believe in the cause, but he just likes hurting people. Oh, yeah. He's a good old boy. I know people like that. At one point in the comic, he beats a gorilla to death and then beats the man to death who made him fight the gorilla. Gorillas are strong. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, And like, great scene where he eventually has a face-to-face with Jesse Custer and Jesse Custer, who he's tormented his entire life, lays him out, you know, is winning this fight. And like, as he's losing, as he's about to die, his last utterance is, I'm proud of you, boy. No, oh, good. It's great quality Western kind of movie. <laughs> that for, anyone, that, for anyone who doesn't know Shane, that's that's right in Shane's. Yeah, that's, 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 that hit Shane right where he lives. Oh, it's yeah. right up his alleyway. You know <laughs> I what I'm saying? fired my six gun into the air at that moment. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, um, pros and cons to Preacher, but... I'd be 50-50. It wouldn't be the clear-cut case of the boys making it definitively better. Mm. Making it mm. relevant, but maybe muddy in the waters a bit in terms of the story and having to serialise and drag a couple of series out of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, are you dragging a couple of series out of it? Though? Oh, I mean, there's are. like 14 or 15 volumes of that comic, aren't there? There were seven. There were seven. Yeah, yeah, just seven. Just seven. Wow. They, are, they are dragging it out, though. Because The Walking Dead finished today and last week and it reached 32 volumes. Should it have, though? Yeah, the Walking Dead comic is great. Is it still great? Still great. Okay. And it ended great. They're in a series of a hundred of thirty two collected editions, one hundred and seventy, one hundred and eighty odd single issues. Wow. There are of course peaks and troughs of quality and excitement and but it's a really good example of where an adaptation hasn't really added anything to oh, it. Yeah. The adaptation of that just skips from it basically is boring because it spends seasons building up to big things from the comics. Yeah, it's, it's too, it's trying to be too on on the money with the, the adaptation. And of the 32 paperbacks of The Walking Dead that I have there on that shelf, Shane, probably six or seven of them are really boring. <laughs> but you'll forgive a boring trade paperback for its character development and it's world building mm-hmm. and it's moving the plot forward a lot more than you forgive eight hours of television yeah eight hours of yeah. television that is setting a scene yeah. for something shocking to happen yeah. is not like a slightly boring half an hour read but if you've had to watch say six hours of television that's all built up and you're not particularly interested in it and then the two hour like finale of that is a letdown mm-hmm Oh man, that just gets to you. It gets to you. I I have been no fan of the Walking Dead TV series. You for never quite, were for quite a while. I, you know, I made it through I the first three or four seasons. When it first came out, it was great. Mm. You know, it was one of those things where if you were into the comic books or something like that, like when when you see a sci-fi trope or something appear in mainstream media, you're looking at it and you're like, it's brilliant. And especially if you're an audience member who hasn't seen that before because you're not familiar with the sci-fi and the comics and all the rest. You're like, that's so original, that's so fresh. Walking Dead brought that right out there. They did a great job of that. So people who maybe saw it and who had been reading along like Mick, not that shocked. But everyone else, like, it was fresh, it was interesting, it was a great story. You New know, way to see zombies. Yeah. Mm. Even for me, even for Walking Dead re- readers... The first few years of the Walking Dead TV show were quite interesting because, like we were saying, it added some things, it twisted other things, and it it seemed hopeful. 
Like, this might go a different way from the comic, but nah, it's just boring. It's just boring. It's just people being boring. God, real boring. Giving out to each other. And like, we're not staying here with you, Rick, you son of a bitch. And Rick going, you got to fucking stay here with me, you son Carl. of a bitch. Yeah, is he exactly. from Wales? I think he's from Wales. Yeah, no, it would have been from... so much better if you'd done it in a Welsh accent. <laughs> <Yeah>. Carl. <laughs> Carl, we've got to get back out of here. We've got to get away from the zombies. <laughs> I would have watched we seven seasons of that. Get down to the yeah. bloody coast and we get in the lighthouse and we close up all the doors. <laughs> That's pretty good Welsh, isn't it? It's a pretty good Welshman. So, look, is there any other... Do you know, do you know any good zombie adaptations, Michael Moore, in keeping with our theme? No, look, we've just no, picked... that wasn't, that a, great wasn't a great example. We've picked oh, World War Z. All oh, right, okay, never mind. Never mind, ignore Speaking that. Speaking of a pop culture property, we've picked World War Z to have a little bit of a bitch and moan about. <laughs> and it's not their fault. I mean, God bless Brad Pitt. He tried to make a cash-in movie about zombies, and he picked a great book that tells a couple of different stories story in an oral history type of way that sets a scene and sets a tone but doesn't culminate in anything no it's not a narrative no there's nothing like that it's a couple of little narratives vignettes yeah but like even those little narratives they don't like one of them say the sniper who was in the battle of yonkers or whatever it was Mm -hmm. his narrative is that he was at the battle of yonkers this is how they trained them they had psychologists and stuff there and now he gets a bit jittery still yeah like that's it like the Mm. battle of yonkers happened he didn't die in it it didn't end the war. It didn't do anything. There was no triumphant moment or anything like that. Mm. He just, he still gets jittery. The Russian woman who's in some sort of baby factory um, to rebuild the Russian empire or whatever. That's it. You know? Um, the North Koreans took out their teeth. Yeah. And disappeared. Yeah. That's the it. Her- the hermit kingdom. They Nobody's out, heard from them. They took out the zombies teeth? They took no, out their, their own, own teeth. teeth. As soon as zombies were announced, all the North Koreans pulled all their teeth to prevent the spread of zombies. And then they went dark. It's pretty clever. It's interesting. And like you've great little bits like this, but there's no one story. There's no. It's not like here. You know, here's the mad dentist who made all the North Koreans take out their teeth and his fight for, you know, getting rid of teeth. Yeah, we'll call him the Tooth Fairy. (gasps) Yeah, there's none of that. So Brad Pitt came along and wanted to cash in on the zombie craze. So they just made a story about, was he a doctor? Or the best world zombie photographer they'd ever seen? (laughs) You're the best goddamn... What was he? <laughs> zombie he photographer. He was a doctor or something. I think he was a photographer. Was he a photographer? Wasn't he a photographer? Did he get mixed up in it by accident? I don't know. Was he in Godzilla too? No, you're monsters. thinking of uh, Chad Kyleman. Chad, <laughs> Kyle Chadman? Yeah, Kyle Chandler. Yeah, Chad Kyleman. <laughs> you're the best goddamn animal photographer in this world and we need you to help find Godzilla. My pronunciation's gone all wrong. Godzilla. Godzilla. What else is Godzilla. good? What else is good adaptations? Look, we also have June over there. Yeah, the, the book June. June, not the month of June. The book June in the merry month of May. Sorry, one. That is a weird adaptation. It is. There's June. been a couple. There was yes. that sci-fi miniseries. There was the what's his name, David uh, Lynch. David Lynch, um, <laughs> the singy weirding way. Bloody that silver pants. Uh, that had Sting. Sting. It did have Sting. Not much of Sting though. No, not as much as you'd like. And could you have was, used more Sting? You could have used more Sting. He had no shirt on for a large part of it. Yeah. But that was a weird adaptation. A lot mm. of that changed. It did. Quite a lot. But I would argue not enough. Mm. But See, could, go on. Dune is a sprawling. Dune, 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 the, Dune. the book Dune. Yeah. yeah. Dune. We've got to pronounce that with a D because that's how it's spelled. <laughs> it's kind of upset, Nick. Yep. Yeah, right. No. Do you want to take a break? So, you sure? The book is a bit of bit sprawling, a bit world building. It, it spends is. a lot of time. 
building talking a about, setting. Talking about bloody ecosystems. Yeah, and Famously Frank Herbert. And yeah. religion and the importance of our religion and a messiah narrative and stuff like that. And, and spice. There's only so much of your movie that you can really dedicate to that before the studio won't give you any money. Yeah. <laughs> You're not getting any more money, David Lynch. Yeah, so you like have to... You have to find a way to, you know, cut some of that out. Yeah. The weirding way in the book is just karate. Yeah. But you they know. changed it in the film to be uh, a way of using your voice to shoot lasers. Yeah. But what? not lasers, because lasers will make the shields explode. Yeah, you can't use I've your I've never guns. seen this movie. Have you it's, never it's read never, the book June or seen never the film Of course not. Why would I, <laughs> He's too young. Why would I do that? So I'm outside young. the bracket. They are both very good. I'm sure they are. Ben, the book June is an absolute flipping classic. Yes. And you should read it. It's very big. It's not that big. There it is there. Look, you could easily pick it up with one hand. You can do 100 push-ups at you, a time. You could the text is hand. very small. It's small text, Ben, text but I mean, it's all words you're familiar with. <laughs> except maybe Fremen. Fremen is one I'll have to learn. Harkonnen. Are you, are, you, are you optimistic for the Denis Villeneuve? I'm always optimistic for a Denis Villeneuve. He makes great yeah. fucking films, doesn't he? He did a very good ad- adaptation of the short story, uh, The Story of Your Life, into the film Arrival. My Life? That's the name of the book. Oh, I thought you were talking about no, my life. I was like, you, no, Arrival wasn't based you, on me, no. Benjamin Colopy. Because that'd be bloody... It's yeah, just full of ups and downs. Book, wouldn't it? Full of ups and downs and getting Just a very moody Comic Con fucking narrative. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, on that gem <laughs> of an. Do we want right? to wrap it up? Oh, come on, yeah, go ahead. Do we want to go It's a bit mono. What do you want to go for? Keep going. Keep going. Just spit a wheel a bit. Talk about Hellboy. You love talking about Hellboy. Look, it was a shit adaptation. I liked Hellboy too. I thought it was great. Hellboy, wait, wait, the Golden Army? Yeah. Hellboy to the Golden Army, though, was a Guillermo del Toro original. We're talking about bloody David Marshall. Oh. Neil Marshall. Neil Marshall. I thought we all Neil agreed Marshall. to talk about that again. It, we, no, we agreed that today with the lady at the con. Yeah. We didn't agree it in the tiny room. But that's kind of like... Um, we're not, so we're not wrapping it up. All right, that's kind of like... The, <laughs> he brought it back. That's kind of like the, what we were talking about earlier with Legion. None of those are really adaptations no. of a Hellboy no. story. They're taking the character and putting him in a in a new piece of media. Yeah. Uh, which throws us back to something, Shane, you said earlier about... Marvel. The, yeah, go on. Do you want to make that statement? Yeah. I looked at, you know, the Marvel comics and they're all... They'll take a movie and they'll be like, all right, we're going to do the Infinity War thing. Right. And they'll take all of the good stuff. Right. And then just get rid of all the shit that, you know, fans at the time went, that's a bit stupid. That so makes no sense. Your, your theory is that all of the Marvel movies are better adaptations than the material that they come from. In many cases, yes. I haven't read all the material, so I won't say that definitively in case we get all that hate mail. Safe. <laughs> um, Safe. Yeah. He'd be a but, much better co-host. <laughs> he never puts his foot in his mouth. Look at that. No, he did. He says that thing about suicide. Oh, yeah, shameful. <laughs> <laughs> that was a personal opinion. <laughs> Talk about Marvel films, quick. Yeah, um, yeah so they take the stories... They adapt them. Yeah. They get rid of the stuff that doesn't work or that was bulky or that, in hindsight, when you had to go back and do a retcon or something like that, didn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Yeah. You tell a pretty decent linear story. Mm. I would argue that they go so far in their adaptation that they're not adaptations. Oh, interesting. Uh, ben, tell us about The Age of Ultron. Oh, bloody Age of Ultron is very messy. Jesus. Um, the Age of Ultron is not at all an adaptation. He's a very... Uh, one of the one of the biggest jumps, I think, in Age of Ultron is the characterization of Ultron himself. Um, Ultron is a very Terminator-like um, character in the comic books. 
Um, and he was the director. The direction they gave David Spade, and then he just went. <laughs> yeah, I'm ah, no, gonna, gonna play a bit campy. I'm gonna play a bit campy. It wasn't David Spade? That's the guy from comedy. <laughs> he was yeah. James Spader. James Spader. David Spade. David Spade would have been quite good. That would have been. I would have watched that. Um, no, in <laughs> we get him to do a re-edit. Yeah, that'd be very good. In the in the comic books, uh, Hank Pym has been uh, becoming steadily more and more um, unhinged. As time went by, he also went through that famous arc where he beat uh, Janet Van Dyne. He hit her once. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not saying taking a stance there. No, <laughs> God, this is like the hashtag thing, yeah. just a minute. I, if I remember this correctly, which I'm now not sure I oh, do. Fuck. Hashtag just one minute there, love. Yeah, just just let me check this for a second. He, I don't think Hank Pym was ever shown as a wife beater. Outside of the Ultimate Universe, probably Outside not. of the Ultimate Universe, he was definitely abusive husband. But I think there was one comic where he hit her. And obviously that's unforgivable. But they do live in a universe where superheroes are always hitting each other. They do. Yeah, okay. The rules are slightly different. You know are mean? they all married to each other? Uh, this, uh, a lot of them are. <laughs> that's true, actually. All right, fair enough. But... Anyway, in in the downward trajectory of Hank Pym, in the fall of Hank Pym, I'm not defending. I know I didn't, say words. Words. <laughs> I didn't say a word. I didn't open my mouth. I'm not touching it. No, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> we should have just wrapped this up. Yeah, should have wrapped it up. Minutes ago. Five minutes ago. Um, but to finish the point, um, he was on a downward spiral, and he created this robot, this law-keeping robot, um, Ultron, and that was his new program and his new way to kind of defend the world. He then became Yellow Jacket, which was this kind of egomaniacal, hard-hitting, you know, no fuss, no must, rules must be adhered to kind of version of him. Um, and it was just a bit mental and a bit intense, and obviously that was changed massively. But hold um, on a second, in Age of Ultron, what you've missed out on the fact is that in the comic Age of Ultron, it's an Age of Ultron. Ultron takes over the world. Oh yeah, okay. And the world is controlled by Ultron bots. The whole world mm. for a very long period of time. It's a literal Age, age of Ultron. Mm. And what's happened in the movie Age of Ultron is someone said that's a pretty good name actually. I think we'll take that Let's name. Let's take that. Yeah. We won't take the story though because the story's a load of shite. We'll just take yeah. the bloody name. We'll just take the little name and put it on our film. The story's a load of shite. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying, but I just yeah. wouldn't call it an adaptation. Okay. It's just they've taken they've taken the just name. Nicked a good I think name. if you widen your Marvel scope and then see how poor a job they've done with the X-Men movies because like you've pointed out before they won't just put them in the costumes and give people what they want they do a story do a Dark Phoenix story yeah they won't adapt the bloody thing yeah you know but they won't do it they won't though do you want to do your little the MCU go halfway there X-Men movies refuse to go even a little bit towards adapting anything MCU go halfway there and mix about to do a voice. I'm not gonna do a voice. Yes, I don't yeah. even know what Come you mean. On. You just did a little, a little. I oh, like that there, and I'm like, uh, just take that name there and put yeah, your yeah. little film and do a lovely little film with. <laughs> That's fucking that awful. On that, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, we will pay for the therapy if you want to send us the bill. I um, don't support <laughs> whatever that was. Wipes. That's very important <laughs> to point out. Just, if anybody is oh. in a abusive relationship, please seek help. It's a very serious matter. If you or anyone you if you or anyone you know has been affected by the issues raised in this podcast, just Google help um, as quick as you can, and you can stop listening. It's grand. It's all over, ladies and gentlemen. Were you at Dublin Comic Con this weekend? Did you enjoy it? 
what did you get up to please get in touch with us if you were anyone who gave us an interview at Dublin Comic Con thank you very 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 much um, it was nice to meet some of the people that we've had on the podcast Barry Keegan um, it was great to meet a long time listener of the podcast Crom you met, you met Crom yeah we met Crom I've known Crom for years so it wasn't yeah, that exciting it wasn't that exciting for him but it was exciting <laughs> for me um, to put a face to the name um, thank you very much for anyone who came out and had a chat with us if you would like to get in touch with us or if you would like to see any of our media our content our things uh, take a look at shomrabeug.com that's s-e-o-m-r-a-b-e-a-g.com it's, it's the Irish word for small room it's the Irish word for small room don't open your mouth I can see you over there <laughs> stay the hell away from it uh, we are on Instagram at Michael and Benjamin's podcast I would like to hear the joke <laughs> I would like to hear whatever joke he was going to make no, I was just going to call it Tiny Talks to yes. you. no that's not funny <laughs> keep your message bye everybody no hold on say thanks to Shane and tell people why there's no collecting issues look Shane's bloody great um, Shane came out he drove us all over the place he kept me in check because I'm a moody little bitch at Comic Cons um, and it I was for being on this it was podcast. very good about it. oh also also <laughs> sorry thank you to Shane for coming on the, the podcast guest, and having a chat with us again for the second week in a row yeah. um, also yeah. there will be no collecting issues uh, this Wednesday because we've been very busy with Comic Con yeah it's very bloody busy Right. Yeah, back next week. Right. So, yeah, it'll be back. It'll be back next week. We will be doing our our next issue of collecting issues in two weeks or next week. In two weeks. In two weeks. Two weeks from now, um, we will be announcing it tomorrow. Um, so we will talk to you soon, ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>